0: Welcome to the Vetspace Podcast. This is episode five of season two, and I'm Michelle Maguire. And I'm Hazel Mullins. And as ever at Vetspace Ireland, our aim is to entertain, inform, engage, and inspire.
1: Our special guest in this podcast is none other than Richard Ryan, aka the Dark Badger on Instagram, mixed vet extraordinaire, Kilkenny native, and marathon runner, You'll have to listen to the podcast. Um, It's very, very good uh, from start to finish. I hope you enjoy it. Okay. Hi, Richard, and welcome to the VetSpace podcast. Delighted to have you on board. Um, It's been a while since you were on our live a couple of, uh, well, a year ago, more than a year ago now, you were one of our our guinea pigs. So thank you for volunteering back then, and now you're here.
2: (laughs) Thanks very much, Hazel and Michelle, uh, for having me uh it's great to be here and sure hopefully we'll uh hit some interesting topics I suppose
1: I think well I think Richard you're you definitely have interesting stories anyway I'd say for us from what I can remember I think it's going to be a, a roller coaster of a podcast <laughs> I don't
2: know mixed practice definitely uh it, it has variety anyway
1: magnificent abscesses and you know all those kind of things and uh, of course you're the dark badger on on instagram as well in case anyone doesn't know that we'll get that plug in there straight away
2: <laughs> get you a few followers <laughs> absolutely absolutely i'm always uh i'm always uh, waiting for like the day when the farmers turn around to be like are you the dark badger <clears throat> doesn't doesn't tend to happen much
1: <laughs> oh yeah I get some, I, in my new job now, um, people are like, is that the girl on Instagram? So uh, I hope that's because you are
0: Instagram famous. I things. hope
1: I don't <laughs> leave them down. <laughs> but anyway, Richard, let us, tell us all about your veterinary journey so far and um, where it all began.
2: Uh, I suppose I... I um, graduated from UCD, I did five years in UCD and we had a great time. Uh, I do feel sorry for the poor students that are going through there now and going through any university course now. Um, you know, it's not the same being at home. Um, I know my younger brother just finished his degree and like his whole final year, he was at home on the laptop and that's tough. So, I mean, we were lucky, like we really did have the best of times in UCD and made a lot of friends there and you know the nights out and even just like going for tea in the canteen at lunchtime. the vet building was very close-knit um and you know you knew everybody there it really was just just great crack um so graduated 2012 um after that my first job i um we were looking for jobs online uh and we said oh, a few of us myself and shane Bligh and me we holocaustic were like, like we, we'll go abroad or something we go to america and uh we're like yeah yeah we'll all go to america but i wanted to do mix and the two boys wanted to do smalls but so we were all kind of telling ourselves oh, i will work out we'll all get jobs together it'll be grand." and um, so we applied for loads of jobs in america and i found if you applied for 10 jobs in america you probably might be lucky if you could get one reply and it would definitely only be if they were interested so we weren't getting anywhere too fast um we then decided sure. god there's, there's job adverts here on these same websites for canada should, we could go to canada instead like literally like no idea where these cities or towns or provinces were <laughs> and uh so i end up applying for jobs and i remember being offered a job in manitoba and um it's one of the central provinces gets down to like minus 45 in the winter and minus 50 and stuff and uh I was offered a job on a Friday and I know I had another Zoom, another, back then it was Skype, everybody was on, I a Skype meeting with another practice in Ontario on the Monday. And I was like, God, you know, this guy in Manitoba seems to be, he seems to be talking up a good practice. Like maybe I will go out to him. And uh, I remember my, my, my mother, in fairness to her, was like, just do the other interview. Like tell him, you'll give him an answer after a weekend. Do the other interview on Monday and sure. You never know, like you might like it, you know, or whatever, you know. No harm to do another interview. So I did the Skype interview on the Monday with the guys in Manitoba, are in 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 Ontario, and um, the two guys were like, look at straight away at the end of it, they're like, we're interested, like we like your attitude, uh, we liked that you want to do mixed practice, and then like, what do you think? And like, oh, I go, geez, I don't know, like there's this guy in Manitoba, and he offered me a job as well. They were a like, queer was in Manitoba. <laughs> They're like, look at Richard. Like, even if you don't take our job, like we want you to take our job, but like, even if you don't, like, don't go to Manitoba. Don't go there. <laughs> they didn't know the guy around. They were just like, just don't go there. Like that problems. They're like, in the in the winter, you'll die of the cold, and in the summer, like, the bugs will be so big they'll pick you up and take you away. <laughs> um, so, and then like the, the one guy Gus, I ended up living with him for five weeks, and I moved together. He literally picked up the uh, picked up the webcam and walked over to the window it was like i'd say it was august or september and he said look how beautiful it is here oh. <laughs> look at this amazing sunshine and the trees and i was like all right you're, you're doing a good sell here sold yeah to me, yeah. <laughs> and so then i was like yeah grand I'll, I'll take this job this sounds good and uh hung up the call or whatever and i was like right where is smith's falls ontario <laughs> I knew where it was I for twenty minutes, and I was like, told the parents, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to Canada. I'm going to take this job in Smiths Falls, uh, and they're like, where, where is it? I go, it's like an hour outside of Ottawa. So, yeah, and they're like, all right, sure best to look at that,
0: um,
2: and it, and it worked out great. I, I was out there for three and a half years.
0: Wow." wow. So you loved it then, obviously, if you stayed that long.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, it was great. It was a really good mixed practice job, like just a perfect job for a new graduate, like really supportive bosses um, that w- still let you do stuff. You know, they didn't over-support you or they didn't like hold you back from trying stuff, um, but they were really supportive. They did large and smalls to a good standard, like a really good standard. Um, we did a bit of horses bit of bit of everything really um so it was just a really top job for for, for a new grad you know i mean look, mm-hmm. you obviously have tough days as, i definitely had tough days as well uh but no i, I really enjoyed it out there um and and what was the
0: um sorry to interrupt what was the the large animal practice or was it like dairy cattle or sheep or like what was their type So of there, were, there
2: were very there were very few sheep actually i'll tell you a story about the sheep uh, afterwards but the the cattle were cattle cattle practice was almost exclusively um, dairy about mm-hmm. 95 percent dairy and a few um, few um, hobby farmers hobby suckler farmers we did have one big um, suckler farmer um, which was very unusual because most of the suckler farmers there have been put out of business around the time of BSE that the prices fell so low okay um, but it was really different it was I really had to get my mind back in gear when I came home because the cow type and the system were so different. Like over there, I was dealing with cows. I was just chatting to an Irish dairy farmer about this today. I was dealing with cows where 50% of the cows were in enticed all barns. So they're tied up in their cubicles. They don't leave their cubicles. Like they are, they were on average, probably 750 kilos. Like, so a big cow out there oh. was 850 kilos. Um, yes. like, they're so different to your British Frisian cow that's out on grass here. And then the farmers there, like I know in the UK, <clears throat> they want you know spring and autumn calving. So they have their, you know a block in the spring and then a block in the autumn, but they're two separate blocks. Whereas in Canada, most of the guys wanted the same number of cows calving every month of the year. That was their goal, to keep it steady all year round. Okay. So it's just in fairness, it really lends itself to uh, regular routine visits from the vet for doing scanning like it was great I eventually you know again after mentorship and time I got my own herds that I was doing the scanning for and it was great and I was out there in one herd once a month the other herd every two weeks the other herd was like every three weeks four weeks something like that and it was great you just you knew that was the time you go out scanning they present you with cows they have the dates that's just the best way to, to, to do it but then I came back here and I was like why are we not doing more scanning like Like, I mean, I grew up on a farm, but you do, you forget, like you start to forget. It's a different system. It's so hard for vets to intervene in fertility in Ireland. Like it is the goal. And we do like, you know, guys do like farmers do get you out to scan, but it's not the same. You're not going to be scanning much at 28, 30 days here because the the bull is still out at that stage in most farms. And then when the bull comes out, they kind of switch off and they're like, "Ah, we're not in a hurry to scan because we're not going to let the bull back in
1: yeah five months later we'll do yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh that sounds you, fantastic yeah
2: sounds
0: really interesting yeah
1: i'm very jealous is it too late to go to manitoba
2: no don't go to manitoba It's not. It. <laughs>
1: i know i know <laughs> i kind of up for the challenge though it sounds like you know i'd come back like bear grills or something you know
2: i think mean, like in fairness like the guy like in ontario in ottawa like there were days and I was going to work and like on the thermometer, it would say minus 30, 35 on the thermometer Celsius. So like with, you know, they love the wind chill. So with the wind chill, it was like minus 45 and stuff. Yeah. Like, so they were able for, they were able for a lot of cold. And if they were saying like, don't go to Manitoba, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> didn't kieran kieran jones the other day talk about how he went to i can never pronounce he was in a uh saskatchewan, saskatchewan, saskatchewan. That's, a, that's the one yeah. and he was like i had no idea what i was getting in
2: yes so manitoba and saskatchewan they would be in the prairies and they're yeah. the, so that so he's big ba- he basically went to the next province over mm. and they're basically extremely flat grow a lot of crops and the big joke the canadians have is that like if your dog, it's so flat there that like if your dog runs away, you can watch him go for like three. Or four
1: <laughs> <clears throat> oh, and did you did you go to any of the um oh god in Calgary the stampede or any of those oh, kind of yeah, things yeah, when yeah. you were there?
2: <clears throat> so actually, it was like a case study into human respiratory diseases. We. We went out to Calgary for the Stampede. It was our first year after graduation. So, so we what off. is that?
0: I don't know. Tell people. The Calgary Stampede
2: know. is like a, a rodeo festival. It's, it, okay. It, tagline is like the greatest outdoor show on earth. Okay. And so it's the
1: mission so, in life it's to get there.
2: It's, it's like everything. Like there's rodeo, chuck wagon racing, barrel racing. Cowboys. The whole lot, yeah. <laughs> <The> cowboys. <laughs> um, so we went out there. I think 11 or 12 of us went out. Wow. Um, Because because actually Shane Bligh and Nihal had gone to Calgary, um, not Ontario. And so they were doing <laughs> small animals. Um, So we went out and they had a two-bedroom basement apartment, like underground level. Like there was little windows up at the top of the ceiling.
0: <laughs>
2: that was the ventilation. <laughs> and... This is literally the same as if you overcrowd your calf pens. Like we put four, I think it was fourteen people into this tiny little, apartment. and by the end of the week, there, like everybody was sick. Like, <laughs> it was, but like, and we were like, this, this, this is a good example of why farmers need big areas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you were probably uh, like the, the pitch effect, clads, lads. The <laughs>
1: pitch effect is not working <laughs> in this place.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, very good. And so Canada sounds When oh, made you decide like to come home then? Yeah. What,
0: what was the the breaker or when may you like write up think of this now? So I,
2: I suppose essentially I never I had never worked in Ireland. Um so I did one of the winters in Canada, I did locum in the UK. Um it was I was trying to get my visa renewed so I had to leave the country for a few months. So I locumed in the UK. Um but I'd never worked in Ireland. And so I said to myself, do you know what? You're here three and a half years. If you sign up for another visa or you look for permanent residency, then you kind of have to stay for another good few, like another two or three, to kind of get that process completed. I said, you know what? Like, if I go down that route, I'll be out here a long time at that stage and I mightn't go home. I was like, I know I like it here and I know I like working here, but my family and my friends are still in Ireland. So if I could enjoy working in Ireland even nearly as much as I enjoy it in Canada, then I probably would still rather be in Ireland um, long-term. So I said, look, I'll go home with an open mind, and like, in fairness to the bosses in Canada, they were like, you ever want a job, you, you come back here, like, no problem. Oh. <laughs> oh, that was funny. Um, so yeah, so I, I came back, I did a bit of a tour of the UK, I did a bit of locuming, uh, for a corporate. I was locoming for a couple of months in a big dairy practice, West Point Farm Vets, outside London. It was very interesting taking the motorway to nearly every farm. <laughs> um, and then I went up to Fermanagh uh, for about three months. A friend of mine uh, was working up there at Fergal Hill. He was stuck. <clears throat> they were stuck for a vet for the spring. And I was like, do you know what? That's ideal. I never really worked in a big suckler practice um, in Canada with dairy cows. You know, we were only probably doing a handful of cesareans each every year. I was like, I go up there. It's the middle of spring. I'll get right into the thick of it. And I'll get faster and meter at cesareans. And and that's exactly, you know, like, and, you know, the, I think from Fermanagh as like the epicenter of of clinical medicine, I think it's a great place for a new grad as well. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of smaller suckler farms, every calf is important to them. They will call you for sick calves. You drip a lot of calves. You know, you you see a lot of sick cows. Um, They, you know, in fairness, they are very, very good up there to call the vet and they have a lot of time for the vet. You know, it's just nice, nice place to work.
1: Yeah. A bit mad, though, I'd say. A bit busy.
2: Uh, oh, yeah. It was busy. Like I mean, in fairness, now, the nights were busy there. Like I mean, I, yeah. I ha- haven't been as busy since at night. Mm-hmm. Like, there was one night myself and Eugene were on, and uh, he's working in Galway now, but that night, I remember, I think I did, I did a sheep, I'd say I say a cesarean the sheep around 10 or 11 o'clock. And between midnight and, like, you know, 10 o'clock the next morning, I did three cesareans on cows and calved, one out the back, and Eugene, who was only second on call, supposedly, did three cesareans as well. Like that's it is heavy suckler country, but do you know what? The cesareans up there go really, really well because mm-hmm. it's a suckler cow, they're a lot tougher, and because the calf is worth so much money, they just call very quickly and they say, I want a cesarean. They don't even say I want a bed to bet out the calf, the cow just say, I want a cesarean. I know what'll come and what won't. And like a lot of the farmers are like that you go out the cow is in a head gate it's in a section gate they have hot water they, they nearly shave the cow for you <laughs> they're ready do you know like yeah the biggest factor good. the biggest factor with success for for calvings is how long it takes you to decide on doing the cesarean mm. um, so like when the decision is made for you or you can make it just by putting your hand in and feeling feet the size of a weenland, you know it makes for a good outcome on the cow <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's the ready for the mark I used to say that for most of my calves that I uh, uh, brought by section, no matter what size they were. Jesus, he's massive. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, because I was, you know, there was no way I was uh, ever wrong doing this. You know, you've got the calf on the ground, <laughs> he's always a big one. And uh, yeah, so look. But and after the low coming then in Fermanagh, where so are we after, now in the story? After
2: local, um, I moved to Thomastown in Kilkenny. So, like, I'm from Kilkenny, I'm from Ballycallum, uh, which is only about four miles outside Kilkenny. And so, a job came up down at Thomastown Vet Clinic. Um, they were, I suppose, a three vet practice then, and they wanted to go to four pretty much to make the rota better. Um, because they, they, did, they did do, uh, they would do second on call for the spring for about six months um because they were fairly busy and well like 2 and 3 is not great but 2 and 4 is actually not bad um you know um so yeah so that was it, it was, I was like that sounds grand good mix 50 50 dairy and suckler um and about sorry it was 50 50 large and small and of the large it was 50 50 dairy suckler okay. um which was which was nice to get in Kilkenny
1: yeah um, you're from you're from Kilkenny aren't you Richard yeah
2: yeah yeah, yeah. um so I mean it's only about it was only about 25 minutes from the parents and their farm. So wow. kind of, it was ideal. Great. Um, so, yes, I started there probably about 2016, I'd say. And um, so then I was there until, I would have been there until 2020. So the practice was split in two. They changed kind of direction and they split it in two and they split it large and small. So okay. Ormonds and Kilkenny took the large animals. And they kept the small animals. So it was a separate practice. So I was with Ormans then for the last year and a half and then recently joined in with Archer's Field.
0: Very good. So you've been around the block.
2: I have, I have. <laughs> <With> fairness, like, <laughs> I, definitely when I was like doing the low coming and stuff, I was, and this is something I would say for new grads and stuff, I was trying to be quite structured about it. Do you know? About um, the low coming anyway. Like, I, you know, I wanted to, <clears throat> I had experience of the big Canadian Holstein cows but again, the average cow, the average herd size out there was 70 to 100 really super high yielding cows. Like we yeah. had a few, we had a few guys with 150, a couple of guys with 200, and one guy with three, but there weren't that wasn't the, the normal herd. <clears throat> so when I went to the UK, I deliberately picked a job with a big dairy practice where a lot of the clients had three, four, five hundred cows, kind of wanted to see. What, what are these vets doing? What's what's yeah. different here now? Is there are changes? You know, you pick up things like definitely from working with West Point, Two of the best things I took out of that was to use glutathione tests and ketometers. You know, love them. Mm-hmm. Can't get enough of using those. Um, <clears throat> you know, so you try to you try to pick things that will help you along your your journey to pick up new skills or get more efficient or just see something different.
1: Yeah, yeah. every every practice brings something new, doesn't it? And they, you know, you can always learn like this is my f- my fourth job now, so you know I've I've done a bit of moving as well. But um, I can finally we have a vet. Well, I'm always like I'm I always feel quite old when um we've got like. But you're actually qualified a year a year longer than me, Richard.
2: So you're saying I'm very old.
1: You're very old. <clears throat>
0: yeah, I'm pretty sure none of you are as old as me. So, <laughs> <laughs> <It's> Grant, <laughs> um, Richard, tell us what are the pros and cons of mixed practice.
2: So I suppose like. I definitely, like I, I'm still in mixed practice. I'm nearly 10, I'm nine years out of college. Um, and I would definitely recommend it for any new grad starting to give it a couple of years. Um, the variety is just brilliant. Do you know, if you get sick of one thing, then the next day you'll be doing something completely different. No two days are even remotely similar. um. so you have that variety, you know, um, small animals is absolutely brilliant. I love small animals. It can get very intense. You know, there are days when you're literally consult, 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 surgery, 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 straight back in consults for the afternoon. And that is, it's meant, what I say to people is often farmers like, oh, small animals are handy, aren't they? And I say, it's hard to explain, but you would be far more mentally tired after a day of small animals. Whereas after a day of farm animals, you'd be physically tired. But depending on what you're doing, if it's a routine day, you might not be as mentally tired. The small animals will, will, you will go home fatigued mentally. Um, so, yeah. So that's, that's definitely part of it. That, you know, change. I just
0: say that actually. I was talking to, you know, my friend Ruth Hazel, who I used to live with in Cork. And yeah. she was just saying that she's still doing mix. She's second year graduation. She said, like, that she finds the small animals so intense that she actually enjoys having a large animal call in the afternoon, just to even get in the car. Yeah. i be driving for 20 minutes just to, chill make a phone call listen to the radio like it probably does make a a big difference when you say like the small animal you're kind of there all day absolutely
2: just to get your brain to switch into a different gear it is relaxing and you know like it's different because with a small animal you've got a new small animal in and a new owner in every 15 minutes you have to switch on again go through the whole history work the thing up try and get it sorted in 15 minutes like that you go to a farm you might have a 10 minute journey a 20 minute journey the odd time longer and then also when you get there like you're examining the animal but a lot of farmers they can be more relaxed and they're kind of like what oh, did you see the hurling at the weekend or watch of ronaldo joining united you know <laughs> um so you know it, it is it's nice yeah. to get that change um in terms of your clinical skills i think that's one of the most important reasons that i would recommend uh, mixed practice um like people often ask me, which do you rather like clients often ask me? Um, and I think they ask me, hoping that I will say their species. They say, which do you prefer, large or small? And if they're a farmer, they want me to say, all oh, cattle, I don't like smalls. Mm-hmm. Or if they're a small animal owner, they want me to say, all oh, small animals, I don't really like cattle, I just have to do. But I say to them, look at they all add to each other. Like you get different skills from different things. Like farm animals gives you incredible surgical confidence. And um, like if you can do a caesarean half in the dark, with a head torch on and a farmer scrubbed in just to hold the uterine clamp and you can manage all the rest of that and get the thing back together and it goes successfully like you know your routine spays and neuters feel a lot less stressful when you have a nurse you probably have a second vet in the building like huge help and then i'd often think like the fact that if you work in a mixed practice and you you get a lot of small animal surgeries your surgical skills improve so fast compared to if you're just in a cattle practice or God forbid, if you are just in an equine practice, ambulatory equine vets, they get to do so little surgery. Like, you know, your suturing improves so much from small animals. Like my first year in Canada, I probably did 80%, maybe even 90% small animals. And I'm probably now, maybe Hazel, maybe you did the same. I don't know. I'm probably, I don't know, have yet to meet another, vet that when they're operating on cows that uses the needle driver for every single bite most cattle vets put the needles through like the uterus and the muscle and everything with their hand and just use needle drivers for the skin or for Mm -hmm. for for knotting sorry Mm -hmm. but like i spent my first year 80 or 90 percent of my work was small animals i'm used to handling the needle with the needle drivers so like i just stitch away at the uterus and they use the big cow needles with my needle drivers no one else seems to, but it, I just, think yeah, I
1: only use, I only use them for the skin, but I, I would yeah. use my hands, my, my nice needles then for everything else, but I'd always use it for the skin.
2: Yeah. 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 Like, but I mean, I've tried it because I saw some of my friends and I was like, Oh, that looks that maybe looks faster, but I don't know if it is, but. And I'd I do my wrap,
1: my wrap to forceps and, you know, you definitely have transferable surgical skills. And I love doing like, you know, I'll try into and everything in, 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 on face on cow faces and yeah. heads and ears and yeah so I definitely think it's good to get your skills and yeah they're very transferable
2: absolutely no absolutely it's even just medical cases and everything like that you develop so much more confidence from mixed practice um and some of the some of the things like I know even in universities you tell us like some of the things the metabolic pathways are actually the same do mm-hmm. you know like like a GDV in a dog that is the exact same process more or less as like an abomasa volvulus in a cow. Like they're, they're not that dissimilar. Um, so, you know, if you're thinking about correcting them, same idea, like you still have to correct the shock that the cow is in. It's not just doing the surgery. You still have to correct the shock. The dog is in. Mm -hmm. So, you know, all, all these things add up. And like, I mean, you can think of like, obviously you don't have to know all this on day one, As a new grad, but it's just nice things to think about over time that oh these are actually quite similar and it's not that scary when you think about it. Mm
0: -hmm. So are you saying then that there are no cons?
2: The cons, the cons (laughs) of mixed practice would be like say last year or this spring during COVID. Um, I suppose I would have been doing a lot of small animals. So I was doing three days a week, a lot of days, nine to seven. And then I was doing like a two and a half in five on call on top of that farm animals. So like the, the cons definitely would be like, I know a lot of friends of mine now do small animals only. And if they do the long days, they don't do the, the their job doesn't have on call. Yeah. So like when you do a full small animal day and then you have to turn around and do like, you know, a couple of calvings and a few sick cows that night because you're the one number one vet on call or you're number two, like that, that's a con. Definitely that, yeah. That's that's not a positive of the job um you know the on, the on call is tough going um you know like i don't mind getting out of bed to go see an emergency but if you're up four times during the night and then you have to land in in the morning at nine o'clock to go at small animals or if you have to go out testing the next morning or something and you're back at it again and you've got no sleep or very little sleep like yeah that, that's definitely a, it is it's a negative side of the job you know I but there's no easy way around it but i suppose for mixed practice that's probably a con, you know, if you were on cattle for the, if you were all cattle, you probably wouldn't have been as intense the day before the night. And if you're all small animals, a lot of, a lot of hundred percent small animal jobs are getting away from doing on call. They're doing four long days a week, maybe four, or 10 hour days. And then they're, they're finished for the night.
1: I found as well, a con was, <clears throat> I don't know if you agree with me here now, Richard, but you know, like an, if you large animal can sometimes I know in smalls too, but large can sometimes go wrong. Like the cow wanted to go into the crush or you might go out to do a quick call to a sick cow, but that cow then needs a blood transfusion or something like that. And then you've got a clinic at five o'clock and it's now 20 past, you know, four. Um, I found that very stressful kind of being late for clinics. And yeah, I don't know. Do you ever find, I don't know, that's just one of my downfalls of big yeah. practice. Yeah,
2: absolutely. No, the 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 biggest, this was this is and this is the same the world over. Uh the biggest problem in mixed practices is booking and timetabling. Um it's the hardest thing to manage, especially if they want vets to do large and small in the same day. Um that that is extremely difficult. Um like definitely I've had that days where I was on small animals for the morning and you'd have like seven or eight appointments booked and then three or four surgeries. And yeah, like, the, you know, the, the dental you thought was going to be a clean and polished turns into 20 extractions and you're supposed to be on a farm to do a test or to do a load of scanning at two o'clock. And you're like, there's just not enough hours in the day um, to get that done. So, yeah, I know that, that, that definitely can be a downside. One way around it that a lot of practices try to do is just give you a full day of small animals and then a full day of large animals the next day to, to avoid that, that crisscrossing, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't always work. And
1: that's a good idea. Any other um industry issues that you think that you um want to talk about at the biggest challenges facing the veterinary industry at the present moment? That's an um, official question, isn't it, Michelle? There, I
2: think so. <laughs> there, there's there's so many challenges. There will there will always be challenges. Um like it's getting next or near impossible to find vets um for mixed practice, especially. Um, I think one thing I, I do feel strongly about it I think people are starting to I don't know is it from the universities or what people are starting to graduate feeling that they have to be excellent straight away and they have to be like they all start to feel like they have to become a, like a specialist or at least like a mini specialist that you know what they need to turn into Um, like a super small animal vet that can do like cardiac ultrasounds and all their like a fast T fast ultrasounds and interpret all their own ECGs, their own blood work and do all these crazy surgeries and maybe do, you know, their own orthopedics in practice. But like there's a lot to be said for being a really good general practitioner. Like you can be a really good small animal general practitioner and, you know, you refer the orthopedics and you work up your medical cases. And if they get to a certain point, you refer the medical cases. Like, And I'm not talking about, like, we're all going to diagnose our Cushing's dogs, our diabetes dogs, our hypothyroid dogs. But, you know, when you get the mad one, like the insulinoma or, you know, the Cushing's that just will not respond or something crazy, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, not everybody needs to be a certificate holder or go down the route of board certification. And I do think that's driving people away from general practice and mixed practice, that they, they feel the need to be absolutely at the, at the top end of the, the career. Um, but there is, like, being a general practitioner is a serious skill like because you have to see the routine stuff and the emergency stuff and know when to refer. So
0: that's... I- I think that's really funny that you're saying that because I literally was having that conversation last week at work with a new graduate vet and a vet student. And I said those exact same things to them. I'm like, I don't know how the conversation started, but I was like, nobody says you have to do a cert or you have to do this or you have to do that. Like you're already a vet, like you're the most cleverest person like in your class, probably of your, your high school class. Like that's such a huge achievement in itself. Like, get get through that and, and enjoy your job afterwards like no one says you have to like I you know I just see I think you're you're right when you say that like even we were interviewing for vets there in the last while and there were two and three year graduates and they were on their third year of their diagnostic imaging start and their third year of their internal medicine certain. It's, it's fantastic fair play to them but like I I, I really agree with you Richard I think that's a, a big I don't know where the pressure is coming from but I think people think that a lot, yeah. Yeah, like,
2: you have to get good at the basics first, you know, and I I know, like, it's easy for me to talk now with nine years of experience and, you know, large and small, but, like, you know, it it took me a long time to get um, happy doing, you know, my LDA surgeries, to get really comfortable doing um, my cesareans, um, you know, some of the small animal surgeries. We all move at our own pace, and everybody... I do think new grads should err on the side of caution when they're comparing themselves to their classmates. Number one, people will exaggerate and make stuff up. And number two, every practice is different. Some practices will have ultrasound. You'll get good at it. Some practices won't, but they'll have a really good digital extra machine and a super dental machine. Um, you know, and some practices won't have a cattle scanner, but they'll be really good at rectal palpation. Or some practices won't have a dairy cow in the practice, but they'll be unbelievable at you know clinical work on suckler cows and sheep. So you have to be careful about comparing yourselves. Like, see, for me, one of the scariest things that one of the scariest calls that I would have had for my first few years in practice was a uterine torsion. Um I just couldn't get them. Uh, we didn't do enough of them in Canada probably because it was 12 months a year calving. Um, and I just and then they'd be like, oh you've got real long arms, you're real tall, you're a man, you should be able to do it. I'm like yeah like it's just not clicking I'm not getting it and I would try I tried like every different technique some people like oh, get the farmer to rock from the side of the cow and ballot the abdomen and people be saying oh like shake the calf and twist it and and then eventually in fairness friend of mine John Fitz said to me he's like what I do is I just grab the calf by the head and just push and push and push and twist and twist and twist and then eventually the calf jumps and then you just swing it and then you'll get it and i gave that a try (laughs) and you know what it worked eventually after about 40 minutes it worked one day good man john Um, and it was about this it was probably about the second or third one that i'd ever got um but i was like i feel like this is starting to click Uh and but like that took me probably three years of calvings to to really feel do you know what if there's a twist i'll get it i'll get it untwisted and if i can't get it untwisted it probably needs a cesarean um but like you know other people were telling me oh yeah it takes me 10 minutes to do a twist and this was like a year out of college sure maybe it did but sure maybe they had loads of suckler cows with huge calves in them that constantly were getting twists
1: yeah i think ca- comparison to others is very dangerous, isn't it like comparison is a thief of joy and and uh, pat divley actually has a great i was just thinking of of you there when you said about you know having the the pressure of being really good when you first come out and practice but like he is a he's a I don't know exactly the words but it's like um you don't have to be great to start with but you have to start to be great There you and go. yes I think that it's all I don't listen to like many pod, mental health podcasts but I always remember that one and it always stuck with me and it's kind of one of these things like you know yeah you're not going to be great <laughs> at everything but you know you have to give everything a go and eventually things will click
2: yeah absolutely it is so important
1: yeah good advice what do you do outside of veterinary richard to de-stress
2: uh, so i suppose uh, there's no point in saying socializing anyway because socializing <laughs> has been off the cards for about two years with covid um so exercise is the big thing for me the last few years i mean look at it i always played a bit of sports i wasn't particularly good at them um I I tended to do my best hurling in areas where hurling was not strong. So when I was in Canada, I was a top hurler. Um, Mm -hmm. But by Kilkenny standards, I would be very average to poor, probably on the poor side, I'd say. Um, But back in 2018, I took up running. Kind of just a couple of friends of mine had run the marathon, and I said, geez, they did it. I better do it. Um, So I took up running in the spring of that year, and made a big effort at it and I said you know what I'm gonna run this marathon now the end of October and then I'll never run again and uh, I liked it I didn't realize I would I liked it I liked the training I liked the long runs I liked the race and I just like getting out and about running the roads running in the woods stuff like that getting fresh air I never bring my phone with me when I'm running I just have my watch Um, and I wouldn't particularly look at that that much um so no contact me and it's just really nice yeah just kind of switch off and don't listen to music just just go off for a run it's grand
1: fair play to you very good yeah maybe you could do some running for us might you know <laughs> yeah, burn no burn calories for us <laughs> um and i saw I that you running. you tagged us um vets Bet, gets physical the other day thank you
2: absolutely yeah No, must, i was on call october i was on call yesterday so um I wanted to get the run out of the way. Um, A friend of mine was egging me on to try and do the Belfast Marathon. Now I've been running all year, but I haven't really been doing the long run. So Mm -hmm. I said, I do. That's probably a downside of being on call is you kind of need to stay close to your car. And so you end up having to run a lot of laps. So, yeah. So yesterday was a lot of laps of kind of a, a kind of a wooded area down by the river here. Um, But yeah, you have to do what you have to do to get get the exercise in and still be within kind of, a short running distance mm-hmm. to your van
1: and do you get home to be on the farm a bit Does that is that something that you kind of
2: oh i do yeah yeah i spent have spent plenty of time uh bringing in silage bills this summer um <laughs> and helping out turning hay and stuff like that um look at the parents at this stage of their lives they have most of the farm leased out um so that's a lot handier for them mm-hmm. there's still some animals there causing hassle uh but sure that that's farming isn't it <laughs> as they say <laughs> no. um but I know look, it's your farming is a nice break and even stuff like uh, myself, and my older brother would often go up chopping firewood or chopping up trees that have come down and stuff like that. And I sure is, it's just, it's nice and relaxing and like, again, physical exercise, you're out and about and it's just nice when you're there with your family and you're doing a bit of work and you can chat away. And you know, it's if you don't, if you don't have something like that to keep you uh, meeting up, then you, know, you everyone's so busy, you might meet up. But when you're like, Oh, We'll arrange this Saturday now. We we'll go do a job. We we'll go cutting timber or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's grand or we'll go footing turf in the bog, like it's, it's grand. Do
1: you know I've never footed turf in a bog? Is that
2: I, I, I hadn't either until a couple of years ago, and they say, you know, you haven't lived till you foot a turf. I'm not sure is that true or not, but well, so- as
0: a Tipperary native, I had much experience of that as a child. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Maybe we could go do it together sometime, Michelle. Very good. No thanks. <laughs> you wouldn't have a hamstring left after it. I'll bring the potatoes and the the tea and the ham sandwiches, ham sandwiches, hang sandwiches, as you'd say. You definitely
2: want the uh, you definitely want the insect propellant on you. i will say that. Yeah.
1: Really. Jeez. Oh yeah. So Richard, um, we just have to probably talk about the dark badger side of things, do we? And what's how's it all going? You've. If anyone doesn't know, Richard has a, a, a veterinary blog, um, which is brilliant, uh, The Dark Badger. And how do you find the whole social media and veterinary, Richard?
2: I think it's absolutely fantastic, to be honest. Um, I think that the community, the veterinary community on Instagram is incredibly supportive of each other. Like people like someone like the vet there with about like, I think he's got about 45 years of experience. Like and so willing to answer questions, and like you get sent, are you know, send, send them a case or anything, talk to them about stuff, and so willing to like, there's loads of people, like the cow doc is out there. Obviously, he's a is excellent. but like, there's so many vets there, uh, young and old, and they're all willing to share their information. You know, um, a guy, a guy actually in a, in another country um, in Europe, he he messaged me one day. And I had put up a, a quite a detailed post, I think it was for students or something, one of the student cases I put up. And he said to me, I go, oh, he's probably, I'd say he's probably 10 or 15 years graduated. And he said, It's really nice to see people sharing information like this. In the country he's from, vets won't share information with each other because they feel like they're their competition. And also, he said, even in university. The university lecturers he felt wouldn't really engage properly with students because the university was taking um uh first opinion cases so they felt like these people will be their competition next year and i was like <laughs> this thanks. is the worst <laughs> system ever like, it, like i always said it like in my jobs wherever i've worked i've always taken an interest in working with you know, younger vets and helping them out. And if they have questions, I always say, there's no such thing as a stupid question. I had so many questions that I felt were stupid when I graduated and like people answered them for me. And I, I always say like, I can take a vet with me to do a surgery or work a case up or something like that, or scrub in on a splenectomy or something like that. And if I can talk them through doing the surgery or they can do most of it with my assistance, like, I'll get as much enjoyment out of them doing it as if I had done the surgery myself because now I, I, now I see that they can do it. And, like, I, I think, like, that's part of Instagram. You're, you're trying to share ideas, share interesting cases. And, like, definitely, I have seen cases um, since that I only ever saw, like, worked up on Instagram before um, because people shared those cases because nobody can see everything. Like... yeah. I mean, like one example I give you, like, you know, when you go to a practice and you've got three, four, five, six years experience, whatever, sometimes farmers or small animal clients will still have favorites. And they'll be like, I want the older vet. He or she has got like 30 years experience and they've seen everything. Mm -hmm. And like, I've worked in jobs. I've seen so much stuff. And like, I've definitely not, I haven't seen everything, no way. But like, there has been so many times when I've seen something i come back to the practice and i am be like, geez, you'll never guess what I saw. And like the older vets in the practice would be like, oh my God, like I've never seen that. I've never heard of it. I can't believe it. Like how did that, like one day i like four o'clock in the morning, a guy rings me and he goes, oh, the cow calf, in here. She's got two heads out. I said, like, what? A two headed calf. And he's like, no, two, two heads. I was like, Oh, i'll be out in 20 minutes we we'll figure it out <laughs> <Do> it. <laughs> so i went out and i was thinking oh this is going to be conjoined twins it's mad this will be crazy like uh-huh. and i went out and there was two heads two <laughs> heads sticking out of the cow's vagina and, and i was like what has happened here and So I put my hand in and I was like trying to examine and I was like, these calves are surely joined together at the neck or something like this. No. Now, both calves were dead. Um, And I was like, hang on, I don't have trippy. So I had to cut one of the heads off and push that body back and then pulled out the other calf and then pulled out the calf with no head. The cow had just got regular twins, nothing abnormal, regular twins, and she pushed at the exact wrong time and popped both the heads out. I have <laughs> never seen it. Nobody is, I don't know anybody who's like, that shouldn't be possible. There should not be room for the two heads to come out at once. And I, I, like, literally, I remember waking up the next morning. I was like, that, that couldn't, that, that couldn't have happened it's like, it like, I saw from my own <laughs> two eyes, I cut one of the heads off. I cut two heads out. <laughs> you will never, you, like, you can never see everything. Like, and that's the thing oh. with veterinary, especially with mixed right. You will never see everything. You just work it from first principles, the abnormal stuff. And so, like, you put these things on Instagram, someone else will see it, and they might learn from it. And like, I have definitely learned lots from following vets on Instagram. It's, it's, it's just brilliant.
1: Right? Yeah, definitely kind of keeps you up to date. And makes you kind of want to learn more, and also want to, you know, if you see something, you want to share it. It's exciting, and it's like, oh, look at this! Anyone ever seen this before? I ask for help all the time. I'm like, yeah. Does anyone know what's going on? Yeah, absolutely. Does anyone know what's going on here? <laughs> Question boxes are my friend,
2: literally. Yeah, no, I'm sure you do. You, we see so much weird stuff, and then look at Ireland is a small little country, but like. You know, like I remember you had that case recently where you had a cow with uh, like red water-like symptoms. Yeah, but like You don't see red water in Cork. So that was probably no. something else. But like, you know, up in Fermanagh, like they're like the bosses of red water. Like they know how to treat red water. They know how to spot it. Like they know how to, they know when to transfuse, when not to transfuse. And cows, sometimes cows still die, they don't all get better, but they're very, very good at it and slick at it. And like, but then we see different things in Kilkenny uh, and, and like, that's the, that's the beauty of discussing stuff with, with different people like Gerard the vet, yourself, you know, Ty Gavin, John Fitz, they're all in different parts of Ireland. So they all see different stuff.
1: Yeah. I honestly just said every loads of people were like red water, red water, red water. I yeah. still don't have a definitive diagnosis for that cow. I Are sent sh- off to the lab. I did yeah. everything and nobody can actually say what, but she's alive. She's yeah. fine. But no one can answer me what was going on. And it's still a mystery. <laughs> maybe
2: maybe the, maybe the cow had IMHA. Like, I mean, there's no reason. Like a cow is just an animal, an animal yeah. like every other animal. If it was a dog, maybe you'd be suspicious of IMHA, like, mm. you know, so anything is possible.
1: It's a good case though. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That
1: yeah, was good. But um, any other questions, Michelle? Uh, biggest life lesson.
2: Biggest life deep, lesson. Deep. Um, deep. I suppose the I think extra exercise is very important. Um, for me, I think it's made a big difference. Um in terms of just your attitude, how much energy you have, you have more energy when you're exercising, but also uh in terms of wear and tear on your body. Like definitely, I had problems in my back a few years ago, and I have found I'm probably it was when I was in Canada. I had desperate problems with my back. I hurt my back calving a cow um, and uh, trying to drag her across ice with the farmer. <laughs> it's a long story.
1: You were yeah. selling the Canada thing and now I'm not yeah. quite sure <laughs> yeah, about
2: Yeah, yeah there downsides as well. And <laughs> uh, I hurt my back and it just took so long to get it right. Like, I mean, it took nine months, I'd say, to get it right. And like I was in bits and I probably... Um, I'd say 10 kilos heavier now. And that has helped an awful lot. Now I do a lot of exercise, like some of that's muscle. I haven't just got, got out to pasture, but <laughs> it has helped a lot. I definitely was probably too thin then, not exercising enough. So I didn't have enough strength in my shoulders and my back to be avoiding injuries. Yeah, you know? So I, I think definitely in terms of other maybe avoiding injuries and life advice for new grads, like my boss in Canada used to say, when you walk into a barn or a field or a situation, you look around and you think, how can I get hurt here? And how do I get out of here quickly? And like, he was Good right. Advice. you know, like if you have to think as a vet, you're supposed to be the one in charge there. You're the one in charge of safety. You're the one in charge of making sure no one gets absolutely annihilated and broke up and kicked by a cow or a or something like that. Yeah. You do have to be careful. You know, you have to look after yourself like, it really wasn't enjoyable when I had back pain and was lying on the floor every evening after work, I come home and lie on the floor for two or three hours and then go to bed. Uh, So, you know, grim. yeah, yeah. It was pretty grim in fairness. Um, So like you do have to physically look after yourself. There's, you know, there's no medals for heroics, even though sometimes farmers or people will just say to you, Oh, can you not just push her in or do this or try and calve her here? Like, I will not calve a cow anymore unless it's in a head gate and someone is stopping the cow from going side to side you know um mm-hmm. like i had a farmer recently even just this year a farmer said to me oh, will you not try and calve her there she's quiet a cow walking around in a straw pen and i said no and he, he was shocked he was shocked that I, I just said no no way get her into a calving gate that's what they're for safety i'm not doing it i got the cow in the calving gate i had her calved in about five minutes mm-hmm. and he's like oh god it makes a difference i suppose and i was like yeah but like." I have to go to work tomorrow yeah you do have know. to
1: learn to stand up for yourself and you know yeah. realize that you know you have to can't take risks it's your career yeah, yeah. and it's also
0: yeah. a good piece of advice to say to people you know that no matter what the owners are saying to you like if it's not safe you are in charge like I've often had to say that to young vets be yeah. like doesn't matter what they want you to do if you feel like it's not safe you are in charge at the end of the day so don't let anyone yeah. bully you into doing the wrong thing like
1: it's a good life lesson. Hmm. I think we should end on a few. Maybe I think Richard's probably got one or two funny stories for us in from his veterinary. He said he mentioned one about a sheep earlier that he said he'd come back to. So maybe oh, the, the sheep. Start that, so on that
2: one. It is. It, it can be funny how uh, like t- uh, things can go like full circle. And so I remember like my first night on call. I went out to uh, a client in Canada. And uh, Now, in fairness, I have to say again, for new grads, like this wasn't my first day in my job, <laughs> to make that clear. I was working for probably maybe two months before they, they put me on call. And in fairness, they did make an effort that they would always make sure they'd tell me which one of the bosses was around that night if I got stuck. Um, but my first night on call, I went out to see a horse that was choked um and so i managed to figure out that it was choked which i was pretty impressed with uh and i managed to get him sedated which i was also impressed with <laughs> and i managed to get the choke resolved by funneling in stuff and it probably took me two hours uh funneling in fluid and then letting it back out and in and out and like i, I have no idea looking back it was my first night on call and um, maybe it maybe if i was more experienced or if you sent a really experienced horse maybe that should have been like a 10 minute job. I don't know. Um, it took me two hours. You know what? I got it done. And I was delighted. Um, and I think my boss was kind of happy enough the next day that I hadn't had to call him. And he was like, Oh, fair play to you. Like this guy, this guy will, he'll, he'll, he'll at least try it. Like he knows what he can do and what he can't do. Um, and so that was like my first night. And then when I was, art uh, it was close probably about three months before I left Canada um, and I, I was always jealous of my friends in Ireland. Again, listening to my friends, oh, I wish I could do what they could do. And they were always going on with these sheep sections that they could do, and they could do. Oh, sheep section is so handy, and you just throw them up on a trailer or mm-hmm. throw them up on a table, and you just go on ahead there and it takes you twenty minutes and it's grand And I was always thinking, like, I do believe in like the power of, uh like, uh, the, the, the the power of attraction, where you think about stuff when thoughts become things and all that is. Uh, some people will buy into that and some people won't and that's okay but if you focus on something enough like it might happen and I remember thinking like I'd love to section a sheep this year like I really want to do a bit of sheep like you know (laughs) and I can go home and I'd be like yeah yeah geez I've sectioned a sheep (laughs) and so I remember like it was I'd say it got to around May and uh, maybe even June and uh, I, one day I was thinking about it and I was like oh no the spring is after passing me by and like I didn't get the section, the sheep, like oh geez, like so disappointed. I think like two days later, these people, the same people that had the choked horse, they <laughs> ring and they're like, Oh, we've got it, we've got it was like one morning, about six in the morning. And I was like, we've got a got a you here. There wasn't a yo out there, we've got a you here, and she's in difficulty having uh having her having her lambs. She's yeah, oh, I'll I will i will be out <laughs> and uh, So really old sheep, like, you know, not economical to do a caesarean on her. And so I said, look, it's got ring womb, like, you know, you've got two options, either give her more time, but I really wouldn't be hopeful for the lambs. Or we do a caesarean. And they were like, oh, right, a caesarean. They were like, can can, can you do that on a sheep? (laughs) And I was like, the lesson, I suppose, for, for new grads, Again, they didn't specifically ask me, I think, if you have you done one? And so I didn't say I have done them. I said, yeah, it can be done. <laughs> yeah. um, and now, in fairness, I will say, like, I had looked up all my lidocaine toxicity. I knew exactly how much. I had all these things written down in case they ever came up. I knew how much lidocaine I could give it. I knew how much painkillers to give it. Um, and I've had i done xerians on cows and dogs and cats. Um, I just hadn't done one on a sheep. Um, And so I said to him, look I won't charge you, obviously, what it would cost for a cow. I'll charge you what it would cost. I'll charge you half of what it costs a cow. And, uh, which was about 200. (laughs) And, but that's, you know, like, I mean, look, we charged more. There was no TV test in our factory work out there. So your veterinary services were more expensive. And so anyway, I did the cesarean and um, got two live lambs out of her. And the cesarean went lovely. Like, It just went really smooth. Like I had the skills to do it. I just had never done it. Um, And it went great. And so that was about three months before I left, I'd say. Um, And like, I'd say it was definitely my last week, if not my last day in that job. And I, I know I knew, like I followed up, I knew a week after the cesarean, she was doing well. But literally just before I left Canada, I happened to go out there to look at I can't remember was it a donkey or was it alpaca? It was something like that. They had a lot of animals there lovely little farm and um, I remember being out there and I uh, had all my stuff I used to have these lovely uh, like wooden toolboxes that like one of the old vets gave me he left them in the practice and I had them lined up on the back I must have been blood samples or something i I had them lined up because they were full of needles and syringes and bottles and all that And I remember one of the animals went over and knocked it off the tailgate of my pickup truck. And like, everything went all over the ground. I was like, Oh, I was like, look, it just, you know, these things happen. Forget about it. Just take a breath there. Don't lose your head. (laughs) And um, and so I was picking everything up. And just at that point, um, the, either the husband or the wife came out from the house and was like, Oh, Dr. Ryan, um, we have something for you you're you're, where you know we got you something i was like oh she's thank god i didn't just start effing and blind when the donkey knocked over my (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) like you know we really appreciate all the effort that you went to to do that cesarean um a few months ago and like you know we'd never seen anything like it it was just incredible and thank you so much and i was like all right great and i said do do, do i open it now or or what and they're like yeah yeah work away and <laughs> they had got me so they had got me a framed picture of the sheep and her two lambs <laughs> and not only that when they took the picture they had made a sign and they put it up behind the sheep and it said Dr. Ryan Ricky and Ryan th- and mom thank you <laughs> <laughs> Richard Ryan oh, oh, you oh, still have it? it you have it yeah like, <laughs> they got the, they got all three they got the mother they got the yo and the two lambs all looking at the camera at the sa- and then took it oh. yeah, we've got it framed in this lovely wooden frame like, <laughs> so this is amazing Like these are the people I did my first call my first night to and now I did like a cesarean for them and they've gone to this effort and if I hadn't done that call to that donkey or that alpaca, like I'd have been gone. I'd have left Canada the next week.
1: Oh no! Yeah, everything is meant to be. Yeah,
2: yeah, it was just it was unreal. And then I was like, and uh, and oh, are the two lambs still here? Ricky and Ryan. Oh no, they're in the freezer.
1: <laughs> Ricky <laughs> and Ryan. <laughs> oh, here's a lamb burger for your troubles. Yeah. Oh, I thought they were going to come out with some type of box of dead yo or something <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. here's the ashes of your yeah. bed, yo. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's not lovely though that just you know that's a moment where you're like yeah being a vet isn't too bad is it
2: yeah absolutely like you know and again just just nice people and just going through it with them and mm-hmm. things, but it can be done it'll cost you this much do you want me to do it um and yeah, they were happy to go ahead. They knew there was a risk, you know, um, and they knew it was an old sheep, but they wanted to give her a chance and they gave me a chance. And I was, I was grateful for that. It was great.
0: And we were you straight on the WhatsApp uh, group then later on that like, oh, you want to see the sheep, this section I did there this evening, lads.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> the
0: boss. Oh, pro.
1: oh, very funny.
0: <laughs> oh. Hey so have oh, so you I suppose any... come to the
1: end of the podcast? Yeah. Um have you been do- making your I've been doodling. I've been doodling. I didn't okay. um <laughs> I'll add one there to the end there now as well. <laughs> um okay, okay. So Ontario or Thomastown? Oh, um, quick fire round.
2: <laughs> Thomas Town. <laughs>
1: C section or LDA?
2: Oh, C section.
1: Running or hurling?
2: Oh, I'm running! Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, which lamb, Ricky or Ryan? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Ryan looked tastier. <laughs> Ryan,
1: great, good, strong meme. <laughs> and if you were to vote for the next president of Ireland, um, I don't know if this one is in the bag or not, but it could 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 cause some maybe friend drift, Uh, John Fitz or Darrow Hanlon?
2: Oh, I think realistically, like after seeing Darrow Hanlon's video of like Michael Jackson, wasn't it? The Michael Jackson one with the walking and (laughs) white shirt. I just think purely for his election videos and like when he, his inauguration videos, (laughs) We'd have to go Daryl Hanlon. I'm sorry, Fitz. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and Richard, can you call John Fitz out and get him to come on the podcast? Because he's refusing to come on.
2: Absolutely. We'll, we'll make it happen. We'll put a bit of paper <laughs> on him. And he will get it, you know. But it like, might be a translator. His northern accent is pretty, <laughs> pretty tough to get, like.
1: Well, I'm sure we can do subtitles or something. Or actually on YouTube. <laughs> no, you can. can't do subtitles on a podcast. <laughs> on YouTube, you can. <laughs> God. Oh, but look, Richard. Thank you so so much for joining us this evening. Um, you were, um, I knew you'd be great, and I think I think you you're an inspiration to a lot of young vets I think out there, and um, I'm sure there's a lot of vets that would love to go on placement with you and get all those inspirational chats. I think you'd be great.
2: I'd say the students get sick of listening to me, to be honest. <laughs>
0: not at all you're very um inspirational thank you so much you should be maybe you
1: might end up in lecturing someday (laughs) (laughs) but we know we need people like you in the industry so yeah it's it's great Richard thank you
2: thanks very much thanks for having me and keep up the good work
1: we will
0: To the Petspace Ireland podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode, and to find out
1: more, go to petspaceirland.ie. And don't forget to check us out on social media and tag us whilst you're listening to the podcasts. We'd love to see it.